Welcome to Non-Alcoholics, a podcast produced by two self-aware teens. We're your hosts, who wish to remain anonymous. In today's episode, we'll be discussing party culture and how it relates to our title. So, one, I think, public figure that we should definitely discuss surrounding this topic is a YouTuber named Tana Mojo. Do you want to explain who she is? Tana Mojo. Okay, just like first off, like, girl, I love you. I, like, <laughs> we don't, like, agree on this, but... <laughs> but like I was literally just binge watching your videos. So okay. Tana Mojo is like eighteen or nineteen. I can't I remember. I think she's eighteen. Yeah. So but, you're a year older than us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she is a YouTuber and she essentially posts storytime videos, but more recently she's been posting like collabs and just um more like random Q and A kind of kind of things. Her videos and her story times especially are kind of raunchy. They mm. oftentimes, well, most of the times, deal with alcohol, alcohol, drugs, partying, crazy Uber drivers. <laughs> um, and she's really uh, explicit. And the interesting thing behind this that we kind of want to talk about while talking about party culture is her influence on her audience because yeah. her audience is really young they're Mm -hmm. um, a lot younger than her even though she's only 18 Mm -hmm. so when talking about party culture we like to think that we don't really fit into it yeah uh which is why our title is non-alcoholics because we have both made as high schoolers the conscious decision not to drink Mm -hmm. yeah that's something that so I don't think that a lot of people our age can really relate to. They consciously choose to uh, drink alcohol and take drugs as kind of a means of fitting in, I guess you would say. Yeah, and and I don't know if I'd even say that they make a conscious de- decision about yeah, it. I think it. I think it's something that kind of just like ends up happening. I don't yeah. think someone... I mean, maybe this is true for some people, but I don't think a lot of people sit down and go... I am going to chug that bottle of wine. Like, I don't, I don't think that's <laughs> happening right now. Oh, my gosh. That's true. But, again, just bringing it back to Tana, I think my biggest concern with her content is is her younger audience and the fact that there are 14-year-old girls, very impressionable girls, yeah. watching these videos. But then again, at the same time, I feel like by saying that, I'm being a hypocrite. Because yeah. I hate the fact that my parents sheltered me as a kid. <laughs> the only thing is, so I guess the thing with with her videos is that there's it's kind of up to the viewer you know yeah they choose whether or not they want to mimic her actions or whether they want to take it and use it as a lesson to prevent that kind of destructive behavior okay we're not like demonizing tana like Mm -hmm. when you watch her videos she is funny but she very clearly says don't do what i do (laughs) children don't be like me she literally says in almost every single video children don't do what i do (laughs) and Here's what I appreciate about her videos on, like, a more personal level. She does talk about the drugs and the stupid decisions, Mm -hmm. but she also talks about how, in some of her later videos, um, how she has also made the conscious decision not to drink. Really? Yeah. Girl, you're a fake fan. You don't even watch her videos. I'm sorry. See, I kind of stopped after the whole I was arrested at Coachella video because... (laughs) That, so I guess, wait, in that video she does mention that she just was going to take a sip of the Red Bull vodka and then give it to a friend. See, okay, nobody's perfect. <laughs> but 
it's her life. She can do what she wants to do. That's true. Um, but the thing, like, in some of her videos, she says that she is at a party and she's, like, the mom and all of her friends are drinking oh, and yeah. she's not drinking. Yeah. And... I feel like the character progression from the beginning of her videos, which are super easy to fall down into a hole of, like, watching all of her past story times. (laughs) And she would know because she has fallen victim to this rabbit hole of Tana Mojo videos. Literally, before we filmed this, I closed a tab on Google Chrome (laughs) that led to one of her videos. So, I am a victim. But, (laughs) But she talks about drugs and alcohol from... A middle schooler and a high schooler's perspective mm-hmm. and and shows her mistakes shows what she does did wrong and is like hey this is a lesson let's not you know what i mean okay. and exposes people to it because when i was a kid mm. i didn't know what drugs were i mm-hmm. thought freaking was a, a swear word you thought that vaping was heroin i thought that vaping was meth <laughs> Oh, meth? Meth. Oh, that's what you said, meth. (laughs) Like, I did not understand these things. I was super sheltered. I thought that when my parents had a glass of wine at dinner, they were going to, like, get drunk and be horrible people. (laughs) I thought, honestly. Okay. No, I believe you. Like, that's the thing. And I can relate to that as well. So, I guess I totally see what you're saying because I kind of... So since my parents sheltered me so much, I kind of took it upon myself to educate myself, per se. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, I would go on the internet and just find out things about party culture and what real life was like through kind of different means. Like... Okay. Stop sugarcoating this. Wattpad helped me out a lot oh there in that <laughs> I didn't do that for, like, drinking and alcohol and drugs and stuff. I did that for, like, like sexual education oh okay beyond like with periods and yeah, stuff like beyond just like intercourse parents didn't let you go to robert crown right yeah my parents didn't let me go to robert crown <laughs> so, like, kids like <laughs> so i learned about my period but i didn't learn how to not get stds so uh mm. yeah kudos <laughs> yeah. No, my parents didn't let me go to robert crown either and my they weren't they didn't want to have the talk with me they still i don't. never had the talk with my parents I've no. never had it. Me neither. Well, okay. I think it's different from... Okay, this is branching into, like, sex, though. So let's, yeah. like... Let's, like... Un- we'll save it for another episode. <laughs> Getting back to party culture, though. Mm-hmm. Tana exposes young kids to drinking and drugs mm-hmm. in a way that they aren't drinking or doing drugs. That's true. And it's up to them whether or not... They can learn from her mistakes. Yeah. So it's, like... They are getting that rush of feeling rebellious Mm -hmm. because, honestly, that's what it's about. Okay. As a kid, I feel in America. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Yes, I am an example of that, a living example of that. I can't speak for Europe because the drinking age is younger there, Mm -hmm. um, but I feel like it's not as big an issue. I don't know. I wouldn't know. Probably Um, not. I don't think that they shelter their kids that much in Europe. I don't think they do either. I really don't because it's not a lot of topics are as taboo you know yeah especially like sex people kind of openly talk about it yeah and it's not something that's you know Mm -hmm. you're not gonna get chastised if you talk about it i guess like i i don't know i kind of commend tana for taking a risk as like an underage person talking about her 
underage drinking experiences. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can be incriminated for that, but, like, (laughs) if you could, like, girl. That's, yeah, how does, I don't know. I don't know how that works. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know either, but also kind of taking it to her stalker because she she talks a lot. Do you know, is there any update on that? In her most recent video, which I think was today, I don't even know, um, she said that she was going to come out with an update soon. Okay, I gotcha. So that's also kind of, I think, a benefit. It's in a way so that people who have stalkers kind of like her can recognize how she's calling him out on it she's not yeah. shying away from him and she's not blaming herself yeah yeah i think that there's something to gain from that also for other people who can who have a similar situation so i guess in that in that regard i i approve of it yeah so this party this whole party culture thing we don't really partake in it mm-hmm. honestly it kind of makes me uncomfortable yeah. um like being told like oh my god why haven't you drank yet or oh like being invited to a party oh my god like the this one girl who's younger than me she came up to me and she's like oh my god did you see my snapchat story from over the weekend and she shows me her story mm-hmm. and it's her friend co- like her shirt is soaked because she was chugging a bottle of vodka and then she vomits and she was like it was such a rager i should invite you to the next one (laughs) and i was like no thanks no i don't do that i have a personal story i can relate to that and how kind of uncomfortable it makes me feel sometimes uh i have never been to a high school party i guess you could say Mm -hmm. or you know one of the more stereotypical ones and one time someone approached me and invited me to a party essentially and I was really excited about it because it's something that I've never experienced that I kind of want to to break out of my sheltered little shell and when I you know when I was agreeing with them that I when I accepted their invitation they said yeah we're gonna play beer pong it's gonna be so great and then I kind of cut them off there and I was like whoa sorry I don't drink and he just like oh my god it was insane It, it was almost like he changed into a different person he became super cold like from this warm inviting person just into this really cold closed off person like oh well if you're going to my party you have to drink i don't like honestly sitting here yeah i have just been like filling with rage okay first of all (laughs) that is not okay Mm. you can't force somebody to drink if you're inviting someone to a party I don't understand. It really, see, I even pointed this out to to this person was that I don't need to drink to have a good time. And the fact that you feel like you need to is really, it's kind of sad. It's sad. Like, oh man, there, there's so much more to life than not remembering your night the next day. (laughs) That's true. Although I have heard someone make kind of a case for underage drinking which is that it kind of prepares you for your adult life so so if you are a sheltered kid like us I guess but you're not gonna know your limits I guess so yeah because when you go to college and you have no kind of boundaries or restrictions whatsoever you you just go for it and you go hard okay I see where you're coming from but I'm not planning on drinking in college. Mm -hmm. I'm not really even planning on, like, partying after I turn 21. Mm -hmm. If you're not doing it in high school and you're, like, consciously making the decision not to drink in high school, Mm -hmm. why would you make 
the conscious decision to go get smashed every weekend when you're in college. Like, that just seems like such a character shift that it doesn't really justify. I think in this case, what what this person was referring to specifically was the fact that their parents were the ones that that kind of restricted them from this behavior or from experiencing alcohol you know on their own volition and then whereas you go to college and you just you really let yourself you know experience these things Uh, i mean okay i can understand that people have parents right yeah my parents have let me have alcohol have alcohol around them like when i'm with them we've had the alcohol talk but we haven't had anything else so i don't know maybe that's just my experience i guess if your parents were just super super strict and they didn't let you do anything and so you wanted to rebel in college yeah it's that like it's that idea that when someone says no to you it makes you want to do it even more yeah that's that's so that's kind of like the opposite case that's why people should encourage underage drinking but then okay you look at that and then you also look at the other um downfalls of underage drinking which are the health defects yeah that not health effects is that the right not, word I, uh, effects? He- health effects <laughs> <Defects>. defects whoops <laughs> not birth defects okay <laughs> yeah it's because it kind of messes with your brain function no no no, your brain development yeah yeah it stunts your brain development yeah it stunts your growth yeah. it i mean so when drinking you ha- that, makes you gain weight like all that kind of yeah, stuff yeah it's it's really not healthy for you also if you are drinking underage and you kind of you can do anything like get in a car with someone or yeah. someone gets hurt at your party you don't want to call law enforcement because you are going to be charged with so much more because you are yeah. under consuming alcohol underage. So as an adult, it's safer in that case because your brain development isn't going to be affected as much and you can call you're for help. You're with more mature people. Yeah. See, that is a point that I was going to make. When you're in college, yeah, you're not really mature yet. I can understand <laughs> that. But you're going to be with people who ha- like know more to do and who yeah. aren't worried about their parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because they're away at college. It's it's a little more free. So I think that if you wait until high uh, until college, sorry, <laughs> to start drinking and you like get smashed, at least you have a bunch of other adults around you that are mm-hmm. strong enough and mature enough to be able to help you. Yeah. Because in high school, that is, yeah, I think, more true. often than not, absolutely not the case yeah yeah so don't drink when you're underage is basically i think our conclusion yeah yeah (laughs) oh my gosh and that's why i think we have both made the decision not to drink i think for me also i've made the decision not to drink first of all because i feel like it is something that i could get too involved with Mm. I, i feel like alcohol for me is too dangerous okay this is like a little bit i know where you're going with this do you know where i'm yeah, going with this? yeah you're fine. this, is, this going. is a little bit of a side story but this past christmas my friends and i i don't think you know about this okay but we had um this like running joke uh about one of our teachers <laughs> drinking champagne <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm not going to go into that part of it, but <laughs> so the whole like Christmas party, I like felt pressured 
I was like sending pictures of like the drinks that I was allowed to drink because of my parents. And I, I felt pressured to like drink. And I was alone with my family. That's not cool. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and in retrospect, the next day I was like, oh my God, there was so much peer pressure there. And I always thought that I would just be fine. From from yourself? From within yourself? Or, like, were your friends... When you snatched your friends, were they like, oh, nice, keep going, ha, ha, ha? It was kind of like... It was kind of... It was, it was a two-way street because I was... You know, it started off, I was like, oh, I'm going to taste a little alcohol tonight, see what it's like. Uh, champagne, going to be bougie. And <laughs> it's okay. like a cocktail. And... Uh, I sent a picture to my friends as, like, a joke. But then the positive feedback that oh. they were giving me was, like, driving me to... It's It was, like, a an internalized kind of thing that mm-hmm. I wasn't consciously thinking about. Mm-hmm. But but the positive feedback um, was motivation for me to keep, keep sending. Yeah. To keep, like, going and being like, oh, my God, like, so lit with my family. <laughs> um that is lame. <laughs> I know. I was so lame. Oh in, in retrospect, I totally regretted it. And and it wasn't cool at all. But that positive reinforcement mm. and that feeling fitting in yeah. that I was getting back was just pushing me on and on to keep going. Okay, I didn't get drunk. <laughs> I think it went to my head a little too quickly. Mm. Um, I think I, I drank it too quickly. Oh, my God. Um, and I got, like, a little bit tipsy in front of my family. <laughs> But <laughs> nice. Classy. But I think that that part of peer pressure and need for me to fit in mm-hmm. that I just have internalized since I was a kid. That's kind of another that's another podcast episode. You but. know what? I actually have a related story to that. So um, while I don't personally drink, I do handle alcohol a lot, which I think that, okay, it is technically illegal because it's a minor in possession of alcohol. What? Wait, wait, No, wait, okay, wait, okay, wait, let wait. me explain myself, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so, I make drinks for my family. Like, I am considered... Like, Are you their bartender? Basically, yes. It's It's a lot of fun. Okay, so I, ma- I mix drinks for my family, and so... Um, How do you know if they're good? I Okay, yeah, exactly, because I don't taste them, so... All of my, I guess, drinks are based on feedback and all of my recipes, I guess you could say. And it's kind of, you know, I get a different perspective to it because it's kind of like the alcoholic bartender that, like, decided to stop drinking. It's weird because I feel like I I kind of like being in that position because I can detect when people are taking too much alcohol and, like, simmer it down. So, like, I have an example where one of – I was serving my one aunt um, some drinks – and she kept asking me for more and more. And I noticed that she started getting really, really intoxicated. And I knew that she was driving home that night. So I started making drinks without alcohol with them. Like, I wouldn't put a shot in the paloma I was making. And I would just give it to her. And I don't think she was able to tell. At least I hope she wasn't able to tell. And so I feel like in that case. But also, back to that positive feedback thing. That's what I wanted to go back to. Which was the fact that whenever I handed someone a drink and they said that they really, really liked it. It was kind of like a positive feedback thing for me because like, oh my God, I want to keep making these. Like people really like them. And then obviously I am curious as to what they taste like. Yeah. Because I'm, it's literally in front of me. Uh It's like, it's so easy. It's so accessible. But at the same time, I know that I have enough Mm self-control to stop myself from crossing the boundary that I've made for myself. And I, you know, I think that that's definitely something to be said. Like if more people created these types of boundaries, you could prevent so many more accidents i guess yeah 
uh, we did have, I, I'll go back to what I was saying, but before that, we did have this program when we were kids called D.A.R.E. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Drugs and Alcohol Resistance Education. I think that's what it stand for. Maybe. I honestly don't remember, <laughs> <laughs> but it was in fifth grade. We had a police officer come into our classroom. Mm-hmm. Was it what? What was it? Once a week? Twice a week? I don't know. I, it was like a class kind it, of. It was like a class. Yeah. We had our our uh, elementary school had like class rotations. I don't know. We were trying to be progressive, <laughs> <laughs> and so he would come in and basically for thirty minutes a day. Be like, don't drink, don't do drugs. And yeah. like, just go over all this stuff and go over drunk driving and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And for me, it instilled this intense fear of alcohol. Okay. Um, and I was in this like Girl Scouts kind of thing, but with my dad. And we would, when, when we would go on campouts, my dad would smoke a cigar with all the other fathers. Out. Okay. 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 That's, okay. Hear me out. I mean, it, in retrospect, it was fine. Um, but on one of the nights of the camp out, which was once every season, okay, uh, all the dads would go outside and sit around the fire at like 11 p.m. All the girls were asleep already, and they would smoke one cigar each and have a beer. And that's it. Okay. They were being responsible about it. Okay. But it made me so upset. Yeah. Like, literally, I would... I would, like, yell at my dad. Yeah, because you had this fear of it. I had an intense fear of alcohol and drugs and cigars and cigarettes and all that kind of stuff that, from dare, that I would literally yell at my dad about drinking and smoking a cigar and being like, you're going to die. You're going to get lung cancer. You're (laughs) going to get throat cancer. You're going to get mouth cancer. You're going to die if you do this. And I would start crying, Mm -hmm. like, every single time because I was so scared that he was... You know, that this was going to, like, ruin our lives. Yeah. Especially because we were there alone. Like, my dad was the only adult that I had access to. And everyone was drinking and everyone was smoking. And I was, like, I was on high alert. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it did. My dad used to be a drinker. Mm -hmm. Like, not a heavy drinker. But he Mm -hmm. would have a beer with dinner. Mm -hmm. And after I started yelling at him, he actually stopped drinking. And he doesn't really drink anymore at all. So... I can't understand the positive outcomes from having dare education, uh-huh. <laughs> especially in my family. But at the same time, I don't know, like if fear is the right way to go. Yeah, that's true. Cause because I, I have a very, very similar um, kind of memory as that. So I actually distinctly remember this. It was Thanksgiving night and my, my, my entire family was drinking. They were all drinking really heavily and I remember seeing my mom where she was so heavily intoxicated and on the way home, she just clearly was not her normal self. And I knew that because, because it was the influence of the alcohol on her. And I think that's what also scared me a lot yeah. too, was just seeing her kind of transition from this, you know, I guess loving, caring person to this, per- to this other, I mean, like, not that she had changed that much. She was just louder, I'm sure, yeah. honestly, but still it was just such a noticeable difference that I got I got very very scared and frightened and I remember just like crying myself to sleep that night it was like really weird and sad but I guess I get what you're saying is this the right way that we're exposing kids to this especially because 
if you have that fear that just like kind of rides with you and then you have one experience with like you like (laughs) this is real extreme but you're sitting there and you shoot up cocaine (laughs) i'm where are you going with this (laughs) hear me out (laughs) if you are deathly afraid of drugs but one night you're like, mm, girl, I am rebellious. So you shoot up cocaine. Okay. Or let's say someone forces you. <laughs> okay. Or someone forces you <laughs> to shoot up cocaine or snort cocaine. I don't know anything about cocaine. I don't know I'm how to do it. cocaine. I'm pr- you don't. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> Wait. I know. Even when I said that, I was like, well, that does not sound right. No. I, I know from Pulp Fiction that you shoot up heroin and you snort snort cocaine cocaine. no because in pulp fiction that's also like another thing is in pulp fiction the girl what does she do she snorts heroin and you are not supposed to do that okay if someone forces you to snort heroin just (laughs) (laughs) we don't know know what we're talking about i don't know anything about drugs oh my god if someone forces you to snort cocaine Okay, we got are it so right underqualified this for this conversation right now. And you get high, and you're like, damn, getting high feels good. <laughs> I don't know. I've never been high. Yeah. Um, That fear is like, you're like, why was I afraid of this? This is great. And then, I mean, cocaine is addictive. But like... <laughs> it could be another Then your fear it. is gone, and any precaution that you had prior to that experience is gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that that fear-based education is so flawed. Yeah. I, I understand that it's like a cautionary thing, but America, we got to step up our game a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I wonder, is there something else? Like, is there something else along those lines? Maybe, like, could you argue that kind of sex is, like, the same thing as that? What? It's, like, the same thing where, like, if you're afraid of sex because you're mm. warned of all of the poten- the potential dangers and the STDs like they i noticed that in our health education class in middle school was that they only focused on like the horrible parts yes, of sex yes exactly if you have sex this is going to happen to you if you have sex you will get chlamydia and you will die <laughs> <laughs> exactly my thoughts exactly so it's kind of one of those things where they're not really focusing at least in the example of sex is they're not focusing on how how much on to the two-way street. Yeah, on how to on how to prevent STDs. They're just talking about like the S, just yeah. what it's like to get STDs and yeah. how, how to prevent them. It's not as positive, if that makes sense. It, I feel like it's not a comprehensive education. Okay. Because if you're, as in almost everything, there is a positive and a negative. I feel like if you taught the positives and the negatives of drugs and alcohol or of sex really? for example yeah I, I honestly do because then it's like hey you know what we're just going to be honest with you we're just going to be flat out tell you what this is yeah uh you shoot up heroin you're going to get high and it's going to feel great you know what but it will rot your teeth and it will kill you from the inside out and you have to weigh the positives and the negatives mm-hmm. when you go out into the world and you have to think about consequences. No, maybe that's why people listen to YouTubers like Ken and Mojo because yeah. it's like it's exposing them to the side of, you know, this party culture, I guess, that they've never heard of before. Mm-hmm. They've never heard of the positive things. Yeah. 
with consequences included. Um, but before we get too far away from this, mm-hmm. back to why I don't drink. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know. It was a good tangent, but my uh, dad's side of the family has a long history of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. So Same here. Well, both sides. Yeah. So my family has... on. I, I'm not sure both sides, but I think at least on my dad's side. Okay. Has a long history of alcoholism, and my dad is prone to alcoholism, and my brother is like... I don't know, like, we're not going to talk about that right now. I don't know if he's an alcoholic. (laughs) But I'm really aware of the fact that it would be so easy for me to fall into alcohol dependency Mm -hmm. and to become an alcoholic Mm -hmm. that I want to take my life into my own hands. Mm -hmm. And I want to make a conscious and healthy decision for me and my future because I want to be my best self. Mm -hmm. I want to love myself and I want to take care of myself. Yeah. Um, and the only way that I can really achieve my goals and get an education, get a job, you know, all that kind of stuff is for me to turn from the things that will distract me from that. And alcohol yeah. is one of them. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about, I don't know about you. I don't know if that it w- weighed in on your decision, but there were, there were a lot of factors that definitely contributed to this decision of mine. First, I mean, I guess principally it's the fact that I'm a diabetic and that mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of effect that will have on my blood sugars and my health overall so that's and as well as kind of my um the fact that I'm prone to alcoholism and my family history with alcohol it's just a lot of things that are pointing in the wrong direction if yeah. I go to alcohol so exactly like that's kind of me taking my life into my own hands being responsible and choosing not to kind of wield the knife that that stands before me yeah um and I don't I don't know I I haven't really had that kind of conversation with my friends before Mm -hmm. I've definitely gone to parties where there hasn't been alcohol I don't think I've been to a party where there has been alcohol me neither but just like to put out a hypothetical no one's gonna make you shoot up cocaine (laughs) but if you went to a party with trusted individuals like not a not a rager not anything like that and it was just like a get together air quotes okay and someone was like let's have a glass of wine what would you do like would you leave would you feel super super uncomfortable no okay the sec i would not feel uncomfortable but the second that someone forces me to have a Mm. glass of wine or the second i feel pressured to kind of like in the situation where he where that person told me you have oh, to you drink. Have, yeah, if you come, you have to drink. Then I would say, mm, no thanks, I am uncomfortable, and I no longer feel safe. Then in that case, I would leave. Mm. I feel like that's a safe route. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like... I don't know. I on it. I feel like I would do the same thing. Yeah. But I feel like there would be a part of me that's like, girl, you're in a safe environment right now. <laughs> Just go for it. Which I don't like. Mm-hmm. Which is why... I don't want to drink alcohol because yeah. like yeah. I I have that addictive personality. I have that obsessive personality. Um and it's super hard for me even though I have pretty good self-control. It's super hard for me to like stay outside of my own head. Yeah. Uh I don't know. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. And 
I actually have kind of communicated with other people my reasonings behind not drinking before. Yeah. And to be honest, I kind of feel it's I think it's really bad, but I somewhat feel ashamed when I go out and say it. It's really crazy because even though people are well, at least the people that I have told, they've been like, oh, okay, that makes sense because I give them my reasonings behind it. Yeah. I still feel like oh, they don't get it. Like, yeah. they, I don't know. It just, I just feel like there's that, that disconnect that just mm-hmm. makes me feel, I guess, sorry for myself, but also sorry for them that they don't really see that. And it's not a bad thing to drink if you do it responsibly. I, I mean, underage, there are some. Underage, some aside from breaking the law. Mm-hmm. We are, we don't condone breaking the law. Yeah. <laughs> but. <laughs> I mean, people are going to do it. If you're going to break the law. Okay, no, I'm not going to say that. <laughs> no, don't break the law. Be a responsible person. Yeah. Yeah, I can say that. I can say that <laughs> with good conscience. Yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's really weird because I, I know that there are other people like me that don't drink. Yeah. But there aren't very many of us. So I guess that's why I don't really feel as comfortable talking about it. Do you, okay, do you not feel comfortable talking about it because does it st- immediately staple you as an air quotes good kid or as like a as like uh what's the word for it it's not amnesty as like a um i have no idea what you're talking about what's the opposite of being a slut a prude yeah being a prude (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay that is really interesting because i just had a conversation with someone about this really yeah you I, you know i've i showed you it on my phone oh, yeah, it was yeah, a text yeah. conversation and basically i kind of like people to think that i am experienced and that i yeah. actually that i do drink and among and other things but in reality i don't and i just think that's kind of weird does it give you a rush not necessarily. I just feel like I'm more respected. Like, yeah, if people, especially as a teenager. Yeah, exactly. Um, the second that people find out that I don't drink, I feel like then I lose some of that prestige. You know, mm-hmm. some of that, some of that, some of that, like that, like so bad because that's the person that I try to be. I don't know. I, I yeah. like being that because I don't know. I guess there's. I have this kind of persona, especially when I'm in a social setting where it's like, I am pretty. I'm really confident. I kind of. I try to stand out at least, and it just brings, I don't know, this kind of power, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like some of that is just lost when when I say that I'm not the typical teenager, and I I don't, um, not necessarily approve, but I don't participate in these activities along with other people. It just, I don't know, it, it doesn't really feel that well to me. It doesn't really fit with the image you're trying to portray. Exactly. That That is exactly what I'm going for. Here. I can definitely understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, there, I, I was thinking about this in the shower this morning. <laughs> I think about all of my embarrassing moments in the shower. Okay. But freshman year, I was not in, like, a good place emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like... None of us were. <laughs> I know. I know. Freshman year. Whoa. Rip. But... <laughs> I was depressed freshman year, and a lot of the times when I'm depressed, um, I just kind of go numb, and, like, I don't feel anything at all. Okay. Not, like, a like a deep, deep sadness, like a, a I am not a person anymore kind of thing. 
And so in like a way I talk I I liked talking about and like musing about doing drugs. Like doing LSD. I yeah. You were I like talked about this to you I feel like a lot. Maybe. I think so. I, I don't, don't think I've ever like explained why though. Mm-hmm. I liked talking about it with friends because I liked the rush that it made me feel. It mm-hmm. made me feel rebellious and honestly it made me feel something. Okay. So for me that was a positive. But the difference is I would never do drugs. Yeah. Like in a million years. The thought of actually doing drugs, like actually sitting down and shooting up cocaine. <laughs> I'm sorry, I have to keep bringing it back. No, but shooting up heroin. I know. Okay. <laughs> I know. I I actually know. But the thought of doing that scares me so much. Yeah. Like I would I just couldn't do it. Exactly. In reality, but the thought of it and the idea of like not actually doing it, but like pretending uh-huh. was real like a rush and was really exciting to me. And in retrospect, oh, well, honey, Yikes. I'm so embarrassed for you. Yikes. But I definitely understand where you're coming from yeah. with that image you're trying to show. Yeah, because in that sense, as much as I would love for people to believe that I'm this really, really bad, cool person, uh, I I just I don't want to drink. And yeah. I know the consequences that that will have on me personally. And it's not worth it to me. I don't. Mm-hmm. And like in that case, I wouldn't care what other people think about me. Like in the moment where I told that person, no, I don't drink and I'm not going to drink at your party. I didn't care what he thought about me. It yeah. kind of like it did make me feel bad when he showed obvious disapproval. But at the same time, I didn't hate myself because of it, because yeah. I know that this is the person that I am. And I respect myself actually a lot because I've chosen to do this. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not worth it to me. I think that phrase respecting yourself mm-hmm. is super important mm-hmm. when talking about this whole thing mm-hmm. because respecting yourself really whether you're going to drink or not is what you should be focusing it's key. on. Yeah. Because if you don't respect yourself and you don't care about yourself there will be complete disregard for your actions mm-hmm. and consequences of those actions. Yeah. So maybe that's what it all boils down to. Yeah. Maybe, maybe instead of teaching, yo, drugs will kill you, <laughs> like to children in school, maybe it's a question of self-respect. Teaching yeah. children to love themselves and care about themselves, care about their futures, mm-hmm. um, and to instill a sense of respect for themselves and their peers. To end uh, peer pressure and bullying. Yeah. We're not going into that in this episode, yeah. but <laughs> or or self image. That's yeah, that's self image. That's a huge one. God, oh yes, it is. <laughs> I don't know. I think a lot of responsibility comes from that self respect. It all it, it all kind of groups into the same yeah. category. You're gonna be so much more responsible if you actually respect yourself because you're not gonna want to do destructive activities, <laughs> self destructive <laughs> actions. Mm-hmm. Those are party culture. Those are the name of the game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So on that note, I feel like we have discussed, probably not solved, (laughs) but definitely covered um, the issue of party culture in general, in education and in our own lives. And I hope you've enjoyed this episode and Mm -hmm. thanks for listening. Yeah. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed.